Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornets Global. I'm excited about today's podcast, which is the second in a five-part series in which we're partnering with ULI to discuss a topic of great importance to everyone in corporate and commercial real estate, getting to net zero in the built environment. I'm joined today by Kara Kokernak, a senior director with the ULI Randall Lewis Center for Sustainability in Real Estate, and Megan Johnson, ESG director at Heinz. Kara will be leading the conversation with Megan, and today's focus is sharing data to achieve net zero. Thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. Um, again, my name is Kara Kokernak. I'm a senior director in the Randall Lewis Center for Sustainability at ULI. The Urban Land Institute, or ULI, is a global real estate industry group with the mission to shape the future of the built environment for transformative impact in communities worldwide. At the Randall Lewis Center for Sustainability, we focus on the business case for sustainability, the journey to net zero and decarbonization, along with resilience and health equity. I'm really excited to talk about sharing data today to achieve net zero as one of the methods to decarbonization. Um, and Megan, I'd like to hear about you and Heinz. Great. Thank you. Uh, it's great to be with you today. I'm Megan Johnson. I'm a director on Heinz European ESG team. I've spent most of my career in the United States, and then I relocated to France about four years ago. So I've had the chance to experience this subject from both the American and European perspective. So hopefully I'll be able to fold that into the conversation today a bit. Now, uh, my work with Heinz is focused primarily on implementing our ESG framework and strategies across our European portfolio. So that means I work with teams across the 10 or so European countries where we have assets and developments. And Heinz is it's one of the largest privately held real estate firms uh, in the world. We do real estate investment, development, and management. The company was originally founded in 1957 in the US, and now we have a presence in, I think it's 30 countries and counting. We manage about $95 billion in AUM across all property types. And last year, we announced a firm-wide operational net zero carbon target of 2040. And we've been focusing on kind of getting the right infrastructure in place, capturing the right data, uh, making sure we have all, of, all the right resources and processes in place to achieve that target. Fantastic, Megan. It's always exciting to hear what different companies are doing in terms of the journey to net zero and decarbonization. And there are so many methods and pathways to decarbonization, but I always want to make sure I bring the focus back to what we're talking about today, and that really is owner-occupier collaboration towards net zero goals. There's no one better than ULI and Cornet to meet that goal of owners and occupiers. As I mentioned before, the journey to net zero and decarbonization is one of ULI's mission priorities. So we really want to focus on real estate's journey to net zero and the different methods to get there. The reason we focus on tenant alignment and tenant engagement is because when you think about the, the current building stock across the U.S. and globally, tenants comprise of over 50% of energy use in a building. So you can't just look at owners to address whole building sustainability. There's a whole chunk of that that's missing. So we really need to bring owners and tenants together if we want to achieve that whole building sustainability on that journey to net zero. Megan, can you talk a little bit about why the concept of collaboration between owners and occupiers is important to Heinz in the context of net zero? 
Absolutely. You know, I think we have a big responsibility and opportunity as owners. We all know the stats. We know that real estate is one of the sectors that contributes the most to global greenhouse emissions globally. And I think we as Heinz and I think the industry more broadly at this point, we've been making great strides on landlord controlled energy and carbon emissions, uh, you know, the bits that are within our direct control. But obviously, we can't forget about the, the scope three tenant emissions. I mentioned earlier that we have this net zero carbon target for 2040, and that's scopes one, two, and three emissions. So our portion as landlords, as well as the tenant emissions. And internally, we sometimes refer to the tenant consumption as the elephant in the room. It's really big and it's hard to ignore it once you know it's there. For example, for one of our European funds, the scope three emissions or the tenant emissions actually make up 82% of the total annual carbon emissions. Scope one emissions for that fund are only about 4% of the total emissions. So really the vast majority uh, are, are tenant controlled. So from a data perspective, if we're only gathering landlord controlled energy data and we're estimating or omitting that elephant sized chunk of tenant emissions, one, you know, we're not gonna be able to accurately report on how we're performing. And two, we're not gonna be able to manage and optimize uh, the energy and carbon performance to achieve net zero. So it's hugely important for us and our net zero carbon goals um, to be sharing data with our tenants and other partners. Megan, that's such a good point too, because, you know, I, we often throw out numbers and percentages and I say, you know, tenants comprise of 50% of energy use in a building. And, you know, that's an average, a general average 50%, but like, as you mentioned, in some buildings, it can be an upwards of 82%, maybe higher. And certainly when we look at um, a portfolio uh, strategy towards net zero. We, we don't want to leave any buildings out or leave buildings stranded, right? So we need to make sure that we are looking at the whole picture, owner and occupier space to get that whole building sustainability. So as I mentioned before, um, this particular podcast and discussion is on sharing data to achieve net zero. This is uh, the second of a ULI five-part series of primers on the best practices and examples to engage tenants in sustainability. We had a podcast a few months ago entitled Taking Green Leases to Net Zero. While green leasing and leasing amendments in general isn't new, Net Zero Leasing is, and we would love for you all to listen to that podcast. We'll make sure to put a link in this podcast so you can go back and see the history there. And please stay tuned for the next three, not only primers that ULI puts out, but podcasts based on those primers. The next topics will be on tenant fitouts, behavior change, and then renewables, trying to answer that ever-present question of the split incentive for renewables. But again, today we are focusing on sharing data to achieve net zero. Sharing data is important. It's it's funny looking back in my career in sustainability. I never thought years and years ago when I was um, in grad school in environmental science that I would be so focused on utility data and energy data in my career. But it is so important because you really truly need not only a baseline of energy use, you need to see where you are in order to improve. So getting a good and quality data set is just very important for a multitude of methods to, to achieve sustainability. But in, in terms of getting net zero, we need those baseline numbers to really get it through. That being said, it's challenging. We know the data is there. People are paying their utility bills. We know the data exists somewhere in some file, but it's often hard to share that for a multitude of reasons. Um, 
as, as we sort of touched a little bit upon, um, some parts of the billing are not always on the owner or landlord's control. So when you are in a situation where 50% uh, of a building is lease space, 80% of a building is lease space, if it is not written into the lease or the contract that there is a data sharing clause, then it's really hard to get that data. Some folks don't know where the data is. They don't know the data is being collected. Sometimes there are data services that provide the bill pay. So a lot of folks don't even know where the data goes or what the work stream is. So there are some challenges there in getting a full picture. And then you think about a building that has multiple tenants or residents. It can be time consuming for an owner and operator to tag each of their tenants to collect data or each of their residents to collect data. There are some solutions to this, maybe implementing smart meters or um, again, green leasing or having a clause in the lease. But there's often some situations where privacy laws make it difficult to implement or folks can opt out of sharing their data. So there really can be a complicated situation where owners are looking to collect data and they can't get it, or they're not looking in all the right places, or they are looking in all the right places and just can't check off all the boxes. So that's why we're talking about this today, why it's important to share data on both sides, both the, the owners and the occupiers. And uh, Megan, I'm curious about Heinz and what progress you have seen in terms of data sharing, you know, where did you start? Where are you now? And, and where do you want to go in yeah, terms of absolutely. the owner's side? Described, the, we the certainly don't operate side. in a vacuum. We, we view ourselves really as one piece of a, a larger puzzle, and that includes tenants, third-party property management or in-house property management in some cases, operators, utilities, consultants, local government, regulators. So we, we see part of our role as kind of leaders in, on these ESG initiatives, like getting to net zero carbon, to really bring those partners along with us uh, on that, that journey. To do this over the last few years, we've been developing a whole suite of resources and tools. And that includes, um, as you mentioned, green lease clauses. We've got tenant guidebooks, tenant engagement requirements for our property managers, a range of technology solutions. Some of those involve data collection tools, so scraping from utility bills or connecting directly to utilities. Some of it's more on the metering or the hardware side. And there is some variation there currently by country. Some of that is derived from just the local market expectations or local regulation, which you know, when I was in the U.S., uh, thinking about Europe, you know, we often think of it as sort of one <laughs> solid entity, but but I've noticed it really varies quite a bit country by country here. So wherever possible, we are trying to roll out a more consistent approach globally, um, or at least regionally at Heinz, but sometimes this does really depend on local needs and regulation. There is one place where we've seen, I think, especially strong strategic alignment between landlords and tenants, and that's in um, Heinz, France. And mm. some of this, I, I will say, is driven by French regulation. Um, there's something called the Décret Tertiaire, and that's a law that's requiring really ambitious reductions in energy intensity for both landlords and tenants. It sort of distributes the accountability, which is helpful in, in the long run. There's also been this energy sobriety plan that France has instated to counteract or, or prepare for rising energy prices over the last year and a half or so. Um, so a lot of our, our property teams are having regular meetings with our tenants to strategize on how to meet requirements for, for those regulations. And in many cases, that, that involves very open sharing of data. Uh, it's not a perfect picture because even there where we have strong regulation and incentives to do so, you know, we still have cases where there are some large corporates that are quite 
resistant to sharing some of that data. So it's it's never a perfect picture, but we're we're working through that through kind of a multi-pronged approach um, wherever we can using a, a whole range of different tools. And one thing I'll add is just that the importance of messaging for a lot of this, you know, sometimes as these requests and requirements get passed from, let's say, you know, the head of ESG to the asset manager, to the property team, through a consultant, to the tenant, it's almost like a game of telephone. And I think some of the context of the messaging can get lost and it can end up being quite dry and just a request for data for the sake of data. We've found a lot more success when this is expressed using terminology like collaboration, cooperation, and when it's contextualized in a more kind of holistic approach to that, that partnership and, and a broader pursuit of, of the sustainability goals that we're, we're looking at and, and our tenants as well. So um, messaging can, can definitely be important uh, in addition to all the, the more technical tools we have in place. Megan, that is so important. And I also love that you said that the, the data sharing comes in through requests or regulations. And that's such an important piece where, yes, sometimes the situation is you are asking an owner um, or tenant is asking for the data to meet their own internal net zero goals or sustainability goals, right? So that's a request. But you also mentioned the regulations, which I haven't touched on yet. So a lot of times there is a requirement to have this whole building data to comply with local climate policy regulations. And oftentimes, if an owner can't get that information and they can't opt out for whatever reason based on the, the particular regulation or ordinance, then there are fees and penalties to not providing that to the organization or the ordinance or municipality. So it is really important to understand that sometimes these are requests and sometimes these are regulations. Um, and you're also right in that the messaging of these can be very similar. We need this data because this will help us because of this, this, or this, or because we have to. So it's important to remember that I think more information is often better in these cases where you're telling your, your tenants or occupiers, we're not just asking this information to give you more work. Um, we're not just asking for this information to put it on a shelf somewhere. We are utilizing this information to you know, address regulations or requirements. And we're using this information to better the, the efficiency and sustainability of the building, which has a trickle down effect on you know, associated opportunities for energy efficiency, lower bills, et cetera. So there really is this whole package that it is, um, the messaging is so important. And, and I think we'll go into that a little bit now. Megan, we'll go through a few strategies to improve the owner-occupier collaboration in terms of data sharing. And I'll go through a couple strategies that ULI focuses on in the primer that I mentioned earlier. And if you have any examples from Heinz or your other experience, that would be fantastic to hear. The first strategy is something that I was just mentioning, which is developing data collection strategies together. So this is when an owner and tenant works together to build the strategy for data sharing with net zero in mind so that they can use uh, targets that are easy to measure for both the owner and the tenant, like carbon emissions, electricity intensity, waste consumption, water consumption. Now this takes 
some pre-planning and some sit-down meetings that includes uh, external partners, maybe the local utility who can help streamline the process or other external partners that can really lighten the, the labor or cost for both parties. Does yeah, Hines I, mean, have I think an example in, in of, some regions uh, we do see more of together? this than, than in others. One that comes to mind is um, the Netherlands. We have a lot of really engaged tenants there. Funny enough, I know this is a topic we'll get to in a little bit, but there are cases where we don't even have green leases in place uh, and we have tenants that are pushing us to, to kind of push the boundaries and, and work together to, to look at opportunities to put on-site solar in place, um, share data. So, so that's definitely a place where we see more engaged and progressive tenants wanting to work together to, to establish strategies. And, and again, this often will depend on kind of the, the local regulation and the role that the utilities play wherever possible. If we can be pulling that data from utility database where it's already assured and it's used for billing, that's great, especially if it's already kind of high frequency data. Some tenants are very open to actually having us come into the space and putting hardware in place. That can be a really great solution, especially if it if that data is going to a dashboard where we can kind of share data and give tenants the opportunity to, to view that data as well. So we're all operating off of the same data and the same playbook. So I would say certainly in, in regions that are a bit more progressive on, on this, we definitely see tenants leading the way as well and encouraging us to, to partner with them and, and share information and tools. That's great to hear. And I and I imagine when tenants don't need to be convinced of, you know, developing data strategies together, it comes from tenants or occupiers that you're right, that makes a more streamlined process. That whole gap in the why doesn't need to be, you know, included in that conversation because tenants or occupiers are asking for that collaboration. So that's great to see. And I think we'll see more and more of that in the months and years to come. So we, we, we talked a little bit about net zero leasing and green leasing. So these are clauses in the lease agreement that lay the groundwork for data sharing amongst other sustainability practices uh, between the owner and the occupier. So owners can include that data sharing into the lease, which can result in more optimal data collection and more opportunities to engage with the data results. So an example would be, you know, requiring that there is access to the utility data for the whole building to the owner and not just the tenant. A very simple clause in a lease that would, you know, take some of the headache away of the, the back and forth of the collection. Does Heinz utilize uh, green or net zero leasing uh, in, their, in their processes of assets in their portfolio? Yeah, absolutely. We find this to be a really important foundational step to getting things done. We've had green lease clause templates developed for a while now, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, are experiencing. It is a journey to kind of get those in place across you know, a good portion of your leases. For any new or renewed leases, we're, we're getting those green lease clauses in there. And in some cases, working to add them as an addendum to existing leases, though that can be a little bit trickier. We're working to do that in cases where we have funds, where getting that whole building data is critically important for investor reporting or GRES reporting. Otherwise, we're really just working through it as those, those leases turn over naturally. So within those templates, we have a list of baseline requirements and then a list of more ambitious targets. But what we're finding, we're encouraging our teams to do this, and it seems to be working quite well now is that we're putting all of them in, both the baseline and the, the ambitious requirements and just negotiating for the full list. There's always the chance that we'll get pushback on it, but mm -hmm. we want to start from, from that place where we're asking for, for as much as we can. We do have a specific data sharing clause that um, specifies that the landlord and the tenant will share environmental performance data 
on a regular basis with each other, at least quarterly. So it's not just a one-way request. We've tried to make it really collaborative. So we're also committing to sharing data with tenants as well if they want data on the building. We also specify in there that we might be working with third parties to collect that data, maybe a consultant who's helping us uh, for GRES reporting, for example. And then the environmental performance data we do break down uh, into its various components. So energy, it could be electricity, gas, district heating, cooling, uh, and then water and waste. And some feedback we've gotten from our local teams is that, you know, maybe three, four years ago when we were first rolling out these, these leases, the green lease clauses, there's a bit of skepticism about why we were asking for these things from, from some of the occupiers. But now it seems that most of the tenants are accustomed to seeing these leases. So it's really starting to become an industry norm, which I think will be a big relief to everyone. So the more we all kind of collectively roll these out, I think the, the, the more success we'll all have. And it, it can be hugely helpful to have this all in writing that our tenants will are willing to share data with us, particularly because we have some very strict data privacy laws in Europe. That being said, as I mentioned, we do have tenants that are fully willing to cooperate even without the green lease clause being in place. Um, but it, it certainly doesn't hurt to have it in writing in case we get that resistance. Um, so it's a good foundational step before you know kicking off a broader data collection program, for example, or any of the other key steps toward achieving our, our net zero carbon goals. Sure. And I'm curious about the, the bit of resistance that you mentioned. Did you find that when you came across resistance to sharing data, you implemented some of the other tactics like you mentioned and, you know, sharing whole building data with your tenants? And did you find that that was a bit of a, a carrot for your, your tenants or your occupiers saying, okay, so now I know whole building performance. I'm, I'm happy I have this, you know, energy efficient space or I'm in this particular building because I know it's performing well. Or have you gotten any feedback on, on that side of things? Yeah, you know, I think in cases where we can explain the why, um, that will often sort of help open doors for us and, and open up a broader conversation on collaboration. Interestingly, some of the feedback I've gotten from from our local teams is that it's often the small to medium sized tenants who are, are the most flexible with this and, and the most willing to collaborate, which is counterintuitive because, you know, we've been talking for years about how all of the big corporates are setting their own net zero carbon targets. And we're just sort of waiting for the day that that trickles down to corporate real estate or corporate facilities management. Uh, and that collaboration really starts, but it, it doesn't always happen automatically, even for those corporates that have high level targets of their own. One other tactic that we have tried using is to look to some of the, the broader commercial relationships that we have with some of these corporate tenants. And, and we have the benefit at Heinz of, of having a pretty large global footprint. So our senior leadership often has direct relationships and communication with some of these larger corporate tenants. We, we've had a few cases where we struggled to get tenant data um, from a particular tenant space, uh, and we we leaned into that larger corporate real estate relationship um, to, to help open those doors. So sometimes it does require a, a multi-pronged approach and, you know, sometimes just picking up the phone and trying to contact different people at the tenant organization. And, and we still have some where it's, it's a dead end, unfortunately, um, but we are really hoping that the more these corporates do expand on their, their targets and, and when that really does trickle down to, to lease spaces that they're, they're leasing, that'll, that'll help us to establish a stronger partnership there. Right. And, and honestly, what you're describing, it feeds directly into the next strategy I wanted to, to discuss with you, which is owner-tenant relations. You know, establishing that strong owner-tenant relationship that supports 
trust amongst the parties and then helps facilitate a smoother and more efficient process for successful data sharing. And I think what I'm hearing from you is that this can look very different if you are a small or mid-sized tenant or you are a larger organization and there are different pathways and different pain points for, for each of those opportunities or each of those situations. I, I imagine that when you have a larger tenant across multiple assets, as you mentioned, it, it's another opportunity to share and show and connect and say, hey, this is what we're doing at this property. Can you come along and do this at your property? Well, look how great your tenant in this building is performing. Look at the energy bill reduction here or the energy use reduction in this building. Let's get you on board in this you know, other location. Um, have you seen that type of owner-tenant relationship? And how is that different between, as you mentioned, those smaller tenants versus those larger corporations that have a, a larger portfolio across your assets? Yeah, we, we definitely have seen this happen in, in some cases, and it, it goes both ways. Sometimes it's the tenant leading that process, which is always fantastic. In other cases where it is a smaller tenant, where we have a really strong local team that takes the time to establish that relationship, to talk about sustainability goals, net zero carbon goals, and to make this a routine conversation. So it's you know not just something that happens when they first move in and then we never talk about it again, but really sitting down at least annually, if not quarterly and and making sure that this is on the list of important items to talk to tenants about you know that can really build a strong dialogue and some trust to to share information and and work together and i think for some of the smaller tenants it, it's ironic because you know they may not have as many resources on staff to do the work behind getting that data and sharing it with us. And sometimes the benefit is that they don't necessarily have the, the legal teams behind them scrutinizing leases and, and crossing things off out of skepticism around sharing information. So I think across all tenant types, common denominator is where we have our teams willing to put in the time and the effort to have those conversations, build that relationship, and, and sometimes just be pleasantly persistent. That's often what makes the difference. And so it's even with the best technology, it's often does still require some time commitment from everyone involved. Sure. And I think too, that you mentioned that in some of your properties that you have dashboards or other interactive tech that your tenants or occupiers can utilize to see energy use in a live view or see changes in energy use over time. Have you found that that has helped in that collaborative piece where you have an educational prop in, in a lobby or through an app? Oh, definitely. I mean, anytime you can offer sort of a, a carrot to the tenant or a benefit to them for agreeing to share data with us or or allow us into their spaces to to install. Metering, for example, I think that goes a long way. I know metering is one of the, the subjects we'll discuss, but we have a, a really cool example there in Heinz, Germany with some work that they've done to work with a local smart building solutions provider. And one of the tools that they're using is a dashboard that tenants can get access to and see how the, their space is performing, how the broader building is performing, and also benchmark against other buildings as well. So anytime that you can offer a benefit back to the tenant in exchange for their collaboration and their data, I think it's a huge help with those conversations. Great. I really appreciate those examples. The next strategy I want to discuss with you sometimes feels like it's the, the golden ticket to data sharing, and that is utility access. So the direct access to utility data from the utility company. So owners can use resources if the utility provides them. So getting that property data directly from their local utility, sometimes it's as easy as what industry folks call a green button, which is literally a green button you press to link the utility data to something like Energy Star Portfolio Manager or another data collection service. This can also be done through a utility provided link with permission letter from the utility 
utility and the tenant and usually the owner as well, or through utility aggregation where there are over a certain number of tenants in, in a building that the owner can request that uh, utility data for the whole building. Now, you being in Europe now, I'm sure is maybe a little bit different from some of the, the U.S. utilities, but can you share some examples both in the U.S. and the EU and globally about utility access and how easy or hard that has been for Heinz to obtain? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is always always a tricky space to navigate. At Heinz, what we're ideally looking to do is to find a strategy that works at a large scale gathering utility data. It's really important for our carbon reporting purposes to have that global data, whole building data wherever possible, and to make sure that it's it's assured and it's being used for, for billing. So if we want to be able to perform, you know, internal CREM analysis, for example, for our assets or have our consultants help us with that, we, we need to be getting that whole building uh, data rather than estimating. In the US, as you mentioned, it really helps that we do have the data benchmarking requirements in place in many places. So it's often easier to get that whole building figure, the energy consumption figure, rather than having to, to go tenant to tenant um, in a large building and, and request that data. This isn't universally the case yet in Europe. Like many other things, it really depends on the country. So we, we often end up even if we have a tool that would help automate the process, having to get written permission tenant by tenant and, and sometimes, unfortunately, login information, which is a whole other conversation. Not our favorite conversation to have with tenants uh, to, to try to gather all that, that information. So it really does depend on the geography, but there are some workarounds that we found, which are similar to the, the aggregation kind of workarounds in the United States. So in the UK, for example, if you have, I believe it's four or more tenants, you can get access to aggregated whole building energy data. Uh, I think there's a couple of other countries where that's the case as well. And I really do hope that becomes the norm because it's it's critical to have access to that whole building data just to be able to have a baseline understanding of how the asset's performing and collaborate better with the tenants uh, to make improvements. So having that data aggregated and anonymized through those programs can help alleviate some of the concerns of the more skeptical tenants as well. Right. And I'm smiling through the screen or the, the recording right here, as you mentioned, passwords and login information, which is just a whole other layer of complication to get the information in one place. So really, when I say, you know, it's a golden ticket, it can be a golden ticket. But, you know, the, the layer that we I think you can't forget with data sharing is that it's not just the data, right? It's the labor involved in collecting the data, making sure it's in the right place, quality control of the data, data from a building or asset that gets its data via the utility versus a PDF of a utility bill or via our next strategy, energy meters, looks very different. So really that portfolio-wide strategy has to take all those different collection methods into consideration, which, which can get rather complicated. So I mentioned that the next strategy we're going to discuss, which is energy meters. So metering um, or submetering is a hardware option to obtain whole building energy use data when owners do not have access to tenant data via other methods. So this is where a submeter can be placed by the, the building or building zone and collect information for a specific portion of a building. I know there's a lot of different metering options out on the market right now. It's a, I've seen a big bump in prop tech regarding metering. Um, and it sounds like 
Heinz has a few examples in Germany that I'd love to hear more about, but curious about what metering you have used. Are you using a similar product across your assets or have you found that different metering technology works better for different locations or for different data use requirements? Yeah, and this is another one that Heinz is looking to hopefully have a, a, a consistent approach to globally. But, you know, as you described with as with everything else, there are often different um, expectations locally, whether it's you know how the utilities are operating or or how things are are regulated, that might require a more nuanced approach based on on the country and the region. We would certainly prefer if we could have all of our tenant spaces um, submetered and have automatic access to that that data in in real time. Um, I think this piece is especially important when it comes to actually managing energy performance and carbon performance. If we're just talking about, you know, annual reporting, I think it's it's fine to get monthly or even less frequent data from the utility bills. But if we, we want to see, you know, real-time energy data to to optimize that energy and carbon performance, we might have to look to, to hardware. There are a couple of cases for one of our larger funds in Europe, we have looked into technologies that sort of goes over the existing meter. There's sometimes regulation around protecting meters that are in place and not being able to kind of easily go in and, and swap them out. So there are some technologies that you can place over the meter that almost collects uh, like a pulse to report back the, the energy consumption there. That's something that we've been, you know, we've trialed in some, some cases. I'll tell you a little bit more about the example in Germany, because I think that was a, a really good success case. They have developed a countrywide approach to implementing smart metering across their assets, and that's for electricity, gas, district heating, and cooling. They're working with a firm called Brunata, who specializes in smart metering solutions. And what I think is, is really special about that case study is that they've done such a great job in bringing the tenants along with them on that journey as well and communicating the plans with them. And as I mentioned before, they have that additional carrot or the benefit to the tenant that they're they're also getting individualized dashboards so they can see their energy consumption and carbon performance. So that's a case where there was a lot of collaboration happening. They worked with a, a specialized provider to help do this rollout. So, so they're kind of in the process of rolling that out now. And I'm really excited to see just all the different conversations that that might spark looking at the same dashboard together with, with tenants. Um, and I think having that data, you know, real-time granular data for the whole building is, is really critical for um, optimizing energy and carbon performance as well, which is a huge piece of the puzzle if we want to get to our net zero carbon targets. Absolutely. And I think a good summary of our, our discussion today is that where there are numerous challenges in collecting tenant and occupier data, there are just as many opportunities and pathways to collect said data. So it's really exciting to see more attention put towards that owner and tenant collaboration in getting to the same goal of data collection and whole building sustainability. And I think we should see a lot of changes in, in this space in the next few years where more opportunities pop up, whether it is via engagement, why it, whether it is in more standard lease clauses, or whether it is in um, a more consistent utility connection or prop tech popping up in terms of, of energy meters. I suggest the, the folks listening in should read the ULI primers. We'll put a link in the show notes. As I mentioned, we have one out on green and net zero leasing and the most recent one on data sharing for net zero. The next primers and the next podcast series will cover tenant fit outs, behavior change and renewables. So with that, Tim, I'll pass it back to you. Okay, Megan, 
Kara, it's been great talking with you. This was fascinating and so helpful. Thank you both very much for sharing these helpful insights with Cornet Global. And we really look forward to the next podcast with ULI in this series on getting to net zero.